This podcast is sponsored by Luke1977. Use my discount code MAX20 to get yourself 20% off on almost anything over at Luke. Obviously, it's getting a little bit colder outside and Luke have just brought out the brand new Autumn 23 range and there's some absolute beauties in there. So if you fancy getting yourself a bargain and also supporting the channel, please go and use the code MAX20 over at Luke. Right, hello and welcome back to another Villa on Tour podcast. I'm your host, Max Stokes, as ever, joined by Simon Line. Simon, how are you, mate? 6-1, bet you're buzzing. Yeah, feeling yeah, feeling really good. I mean, what a what a day at Villa Park yesterday. It just um yeah, it was the perfect tonic, wasn't it? After Wednesday's not so not so good performance against Everton in the Cup, it was just um, the perfect tonic and probably one that I don't think any of us expected. I, you know, in terms of like the magnitude of the win or the or the high score line, I don't think any of us predicted it. So yeah, it set us up for a really really enjoyable weekend. Yeah, it was unbelievable. And I was thinking, coming out the ground, is that the biggest win that I've seen in person? I think my mind was going back to five nil versus Bristol City on New Year's Day. Was it 2018 under Bruce? Um, um, obviously, Villa scoring five in the 5-5 against Forest. Obviously, the 7-2, but I don't really count that because we weren't there in person. But I think that's the most goals that I've, I've seen Villa score in person. Is that the same for you? Uh, potentially. I think wasn't the one game against Sunderland under Lambert when we won like 6-1. Oh, of course. Yeah, so yeah. I think, I think yeah, it's, e- it's equal to that one, I think. But uh, I think yesterday felt that bit bit better just because of the, you know, the, the quality of the opposition we were playing sort of thing. It was just... Uh, yeah, it was a bit of a weird one, wasn't it? It was. Um, we were so so good. We we literally blew them away, didn't we? And um, I don't think it was anything about Brighton being poor. It was. It was just that we were so so good, and I don't, you know we didn't let them play, and we were just so so good. So yeah, I mean it was just a, an incredible day at Villa Park. So coming up in the show, we'll dissect that six-one win in a little bit more detail. We'll gloss over the Everton uh, defeat in midweek in the League Cup as well. If you do want to enjoy the podcast, please do subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening on, whether that's Spotify, Apple, whatever it is. Please do subscribe so you never miss an episode out every sort of Monday or Tuesday, depending on what day Villa play. Please do leave a review actually as well. It really does. Does help us out in terms of the algorithm and all that sort of good thing. Go and check out all the recent videos on Villa on Tour as well, because there's plenty of good ones to watch over there. The Brighton one, the Chelsea one, even the Poland one. If you haven't checked those out, please go and do that. Without further ado, let's crack on into the show. So we were talking on Saturday morning, weren't we, briefly, about how we were feeling going into this game. I don't think either of us were massively confident, weren't we? I think I think injuries. We talked about Leon Bailey going off midweek um, against Everton. Jacob Ramsey not featuring against Everton, which was a little bit of, of, of a surprise. I think that game on paper was one where you look at Jacob Ramsey coming in and getting him a few minutes there in quite a, a calm environment rather than being chucked in the deep end in the Premier League. But that didn't happen. So we were a little bit concerned. Brighton absolutely flying, winning at Old Trafford 3-0 the week before. Evan Ferguson on, on the team sheet who worried me massively. Matoma on the left wing is an absolutely unbelievable player. So going into the game, I don't think either of us were really that positive. Well, I wouldn't say we weren't positive, but we were a little bit sceptical, weren't we, going into the game? Yeah, I think I said to you that I, I don't think we could have called it either way. I think I think for me, it was that the thing that worried me was the injuries that we've got. I think I keep saying, you know, it's probably going to catch up with us. I mean, we were missing a lot of key players and I think we didn't expect Ramsey to be in the squad, uh, which obviously was in the end. He made mm. it onto the bench. Um, but obviously with Bailey out, I think Bailey potentially would have played yesterday and, and we know how... how 
how good he's been at Villa Park this season. So I think for me it was a, it was a bit of that and a bit of how 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 good Brighton are, how how good we know Brighton are. And I think when you look back to when Brighton came to Villa Park on the last day of um, of, of, of last season, um, and they gave us a really good game, and yet they didn't have anything mm. to play for. And if you remember that day, they they left a lot of their big hitters out. And so for me, I just I just thought this is going to be a really tough game. We're going to have to be on. Our total A game to, to to get anything out of it, um, and also knowing in the back of my mind that Villa don't really draw matches under Emery. It's usually either a win or a defeat. Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I I couldn't call it either way. I think I said that I expected it to be really really tight. If Villa were going to win, they'd win by you know the, the the odd goal. I didn't expect a sort of goal fest. But I think the one thing is is is, is in our minds, and I think it's probably take probably takes us a while to get used to this. Is that we have got a manager who can mix it up and who, who who can think of a game plan that no one else would would kind of think of, and I think that's what keeps the opposition guessing. It's what makes Unai Emery so elite, I suppose, isn't it? He, he he does keep the opposition guessing. He keeps the fans guessing, and that's kind of what happened yesterday. We we we, we put in a performance which um, I, I don't think any of us could have expected, and I think even even tactically, I think we we put in a performance which I don't think most people would have expected. Um, and so yeah, so while I wasn't I didn't think it was a nailed-on Villa victory yesterday. I thought it was a really, really tough game. But to have ended the way it did was just, yeah, spectacular, really. And I don't think any of us saw it coming. Yeah, you're spot on in terms of Emery sort of keeping us guessing all the time. We've already seen it this season, haven't we, in terms of Villa being able to bounce back after a pretty pretty negative result. For example, after the, the Warsaw game, going to Stamford Bridge and winning, uh, even this week, losing at home to Everton and then pulling out a 6-1 win against a very good Brighton side. We, we can do it. We just got that bounce-back ability. And I don't think there was any surprise in terms of Villa's team I think it was pretty self-explanatory like you said Bailey potentially would have come in if he was hit if he was fit but obviously Zaniolo started on that side of things but you look at Brighton's side and it's very strong they've got Duncan Webster at the back obviously Dunk's constantly in that England side they've got a, a lot of very good players a lot of underrated players as well Billy Gilmore in midfield Solly March I'm a big fan of him they had a youngster in midfield as well didn't they Hinshelwood someone like that so they can just pull out the, these players and you, you always know with Brighton it's going to work didn't quite turn out that way but early on in the game you could sort of see what Brighton were trying to do. You know they love to have possession of the ball. I think on Saturday, even losing 6-1, they had 62% of the ball. You know what they're trying to do. They're a possession side. to try and spray the ball over to Matoma, build from the back. I think I saw a stat that in terms of uh, what percentage of goal kicks teams go long from, Brighton, I think, was 0%. You know every single time they're going to play out from the back, play it on the deck. That's what they want to do. And they started okay, didn't they? I think first 10 minutes, they had that chance. Was it Estepinian that uh, Martinez made a decent save from? But straight from the off, you can see what they're trying to do. Yeah, I think I think it was it was it was one of the only times that they sort of broke through the offside trap. Um, and obviously, yeah, they forced a, a sort of regulation save out of Martinez early on. And um, and yeah, you, you kind of thought, open 10 minutes, you thought, oh God, you know, is this the tone of the game? Is this the way it's going? But you, you know what you're going to come up against. You know that they're going to pass the ball and pass the ball. And I think the one thing with Brighton is that they're so st- steadfast in it, in that they won't change at all. I mean, even during a game, they, they usually don't mix it up. I mean, you know, other teams find other ways of playing and mix it up, but Brighton mm. don't. They're very, very steadfast in what they do. And so it, it was always going to, I think we're always going to surrender possession to them. I think Brighton like a team who, 
try and play them at their own game, to be honest with you. I think um, I was actually talking to a Brighton fan earlier on this week, one of our mates, Josh, and um, and he was saying he, he, he was saying that's exactly what Brighton like. He, they like teams who try and play them at their own game because that's where they mm. that, that they succeed because they are so, so good at it. And I think that's where Villa got, got their tactics spot on yesterday, obviously. But um, but yeah, obviously the, the opening 10 minutes, they, they started strongly. But the game didn't, didn't really go as you thought it would after that 10 minutes, really, did it? No, they're quite stubborn, aren't they? And even when, I mean, I'm jumping forward here, but even when you're sort of 3-0 up, they still were sort of risking it, weren't they? Playing yeah. out from the back and playing it across the sort of defensive lines, which I was a little bit surprised about. I think if Villa were doing that, you'd have a, a couple of moans. But we do go 1-0 up. Uh, it's a great goal as well, isn't it? I think we we're pretty patient with this one. Um, Diaby sort of quite deep, actually, on the right-hand side, plays it into McGinn, who again, like I said, was patient, beats his man. And it's an excellent pass, isn't it, to Matty Cash, who catches Matoma sleeping a little bit. I think that Matoma versus Cash battle was one that, going into the game, I was really keen on. I think I was speaking to a, a different Brighton fan, uh, literally just outside the whole end before the game, and he was sort of saying that that was he, his key sort of battle to watch, that Cash versus Matoma. And I think, overall, Cash absolutely had him in his pocket. Everything Matoma did didn't quite come off. And don't get me wrong, he's an exceptional talent who's absolutely rapid. He's got a great goal-scoring record, but on Saturday, it didn't quite happen. And uh, for that goal, Cash catches him napping. Great ball in. It's another cutback goal, and it's Ollie Watkins. So he opens up his body and left foot into the into the side corner. So happy days. It's 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 second second goal in two games for Ollie Watkins. And it's a great goal overall, isn't it? For everyone involved. Great team goal. Yeah, it is. And I think Villa knew I think Villa knew from the offset that they had to be quite direct. I think they knew that once they won the ball back, they had to um try and try and make that make that opportunity happen quite quickly. And that happened in this goal. I think if you look at if you look all all afternoon actually how far Matty Cash and Luca Dean were up the pitch. I mean, it was making mm. sort of like a front five at times, to be honest. That that's how many players Villa had forward and it made me laugh after the game when John McGinn said that um he was in the tactics meeting in the morning with Unai Emery and um he thought it's either gonna be six one to Villa or six one to Brighton. He couldn't call it <laughs> either way because and that that's purely because of how many men we were we, we were sort of committing up the field. I mean, if you look back mm. at it, you you see like Kamara was sort of slotting into that back three at times and then the fullbacks were like on the bike get, getting forward Douglas Louise yeah. was just behind like a front two of Watkins and Diaby um, and that's kind of how the goal came really Cash was pushing up so so far it was a lovely ball into Cash and then just a great ball in the box which is always going to cause any defence problems and uh, and Ollie Watkins yeah finished off the chance really well and um, and yeah b- b- back to the Ollie Watkins that, that we know best sort of instinctive mm. um, in that penalty area and um, and yeah he got us off to a flyer and sort of Villa Park erupted from that point didn't it? Yeah I saw a map of um, Martinez's goal kicks and it sort of showed that we can mix it up. Like we're we're not going to be quite as stubborn as Brighton, and we can go long if we want to. And I think talking about Watkins, I think as soon as he gets that sort of early goal, his confidence is absolutely through the roof. And Ollie, a confident Ollie Watkins is an absolute different animal. And I thought he was absolutely fantastic on Saturday. I thought he was brilliant. His hold at play was great. I think Unai Emery said after the game, didn't he, that he sort of wanted that two up top with him and Diaby. He wanted players up the pitch to push Brighton. We know what they're going to do. So it was good to have those two going forward. But I just think Watkins' hold at play was, was absolutely fantastic. And against two difficult centre-halves as well. Body talks about Lewis Dunk. I'm a big fan of him. Adam, West, Adam Webster is absolute he's a monster as well so it's going to be a tough afternoon but I just think Watkins was that little bit quicker he was finding that yard of space wasn't he He was being able to turn and he looked really quick and sharp at the weekend I just thought he was brilliant overall yeah it's it's, you know it's funny when Ollie Watkins um, has a bit of confidence in his game because he turns into this absolutely unplayable sort of striker you know he can hold it up really well he he runs them channels absolutely brilliantly and his pace it just it causes problems and I think the other thing you saw with with the Villa front too and also with 
Louise sort of pushing up. They were in the faces of Brighton, constantly forcing yeah. them to make errors. Um, and Watkins and Diaby, I mean, had the centre out on toast all afternoon. And uh, yeah, what it was just an absolutely incredible performance, Molly Watkins. It was it was kind of it was kind of faultless, really. I just thought it was a real centre forward sort of game, and it was just yeah, it was an absolute perfect perfect performance from him. Um, and yeah, yeah, like I say, the, the, those two up top really sort of got Villa going essentially in the faces of Brighton and Brighton didn't like yeah. it you, you know you could tell that they didn't like not having that that time on the ball and they, and they were rattled by that and it was a good two or three times in that first half that we did force errors out of Brighton um, and yeah it was just it was so good to see I mean in terms of being more direct um, it's, it's what we were doing it's what, it's what we were doing all afternoon kind of thing we were mixing it up while we were at times we were playing it around the back as, as we know that we like to do but then at other times Martinez was doing that really early kick uh, down the channels to Watkins who was holding it up and bringing the other players into play and um, we, we kept doing it all afternoon I think the height of Zaniolo helped as well on the wing um, obviously him being a big lad and he was able to hold the ball up a little bit as well um, it gave us options and then John McGinn had one of those games where he was just absolutely unplayable again it reminded me <laughs> probably of that Newcastle game from last season where we yes. had those tactics to sort of hit McGinn every every sort of time so it did sort of remind me of that yeah and, and that's and that's the thing with John McGinn I mean he's, he's either you know he's either pretty pretty decent or he's like really really good isn't he and oh yesterday was one of John McGinn's absolutely brilliant games and uh, and yeah I just think that that forward line of Watkins, Diaby, McGinn, Louise pushing up is 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 essentially what won won Villa the game. They, they were just so aggressive in everything they did. Um, and like I say, the Brighton defenders, I don't think they knew what was coming. Yeah, I think it's it's said quite a bit, hasn't it, that McGinn's been taken off in, in is it the last three or four games? But I remember especially in Poland, him getting dragged off, and it seems like it was the last couple of games that sort of on the hour mark, it was always John McGinn that was being taken off. But I think in this game, he was like you said, absolutely back to his best. He was charging around, wasn't he? Making clever, clever fouls. And I was saying to Jamie next to me during the game I'm not sure how John McGinn hasn't been booked yet he didn't get booked all day which I think was was quite fortunate but he was he was absolutely back to his best both defensively and offensively uh going back to Wally Watkins then he absolutely loves playing Brighton doesn't he I think even was it I mean horrible to mention him but Gerard's first game wasn't it it was sort of a similar sort of guy that you'd expect him to score in this game absolutely run the Brighton defense ragged cutting inside and scoring we'll talk about his second goal now making it 2-0 it's a Brighton mistake isn't it in the Villa half and just the pace at which Villa counter-attack is so dangerous we look dangerous going forward all day every time we were going forward we were just looking lethal and moving the ball so well plays getting up the pitch so rapidly as well Diaby Watkins Zaniolo absolutely busting good to get forward and that's how we score the second uh, Zaniolo takes a couple of players away Watkins cuts inside and it's a sort of strange finish especially where I'm sat it looks like it sort of takes ages to go in May, maybe catches Steele by surprise by going for that front post and um, there was a bit of talk after the goal about uh, Zaniolo potentially being in an offside position I think I got a text at half time uh, from someone who was watching it at home saying we was quite lucky with that one but looking back on it I, I don't think we were I think it's fair enough I think if Watkins goes for the other corner you'd probably have a discussion about VAR, but I think there's no way Zaniolo's in the, in the eye line of the goalkeeper because he goes for that front post. And it's a great finish, 2-0, early brace, Riley Watkins, happy days. It's one of those rules that, you know, we're not quite sure about. I mean, there was one, the one that earlier on in the season, wasn't there, uh, was Salah against Villa for, for, for Liverpool yeah. when Martinez was having to peer around him. And obviously that one got shut down, that it, that, that it wasn't in the, in the eye line or it didn't affect anything mm-hmm. anyway. And so I kind of feel like it's similar to that. I, I, I don't... I don't think the rules are that clear on it, if I'm being honest with you. But but yeah, as you said, it was just that pace, wasn't it? It was like Villa win the ball back and it was just that that 
absolute urgency to get forward, get players in the box. And it's because Villa knew that they weren't going to control or dominate the possession. They knew that Brighton were going to yeah. do that. And so I think Villa knew they had to get up there quickly. And I mean, it was devastating when we did. I mean, when you look at the likes of the pace that we've got up there with Watkins and Diaby and even Zaniolo, it was really quick for a big lad. I mean, it was just incredible. And uh, as you say, Zaniolo makes a space. And then Watkins with a real sort of clever finish. And I think the keeper expected him to sort of go across goal. Um, and mm. that's why he caught Jason Steele out, really, with that with that finish in, in the near corner. And uh, yeah, it was, uh, again, an Ollie Watkins who is full of confidence, though. I mean, a few weeks ago, Ollie Watkins probably doesn't score that, to be honest. He he probably doesn't get shot away or he, or he shoots wide. But... Um, I just think it shows he's such a he's such a confidence player, and um, that 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 was a finish of a real sort of confidence striker. Yeah, and at two 0 up, it sort of just felt like we're all, we we really we're really on the on on the way to something today. You know, I think we we've all talked early this season about how good Villa are when we do take a lead. You know, we seem to be fairly comfortable when we do take a lead, and so to be two 0 up after only what was it. 20 minutes or so, uh, 15, 20 minutes mm. was, was, yeah, was, was absolutely brilliant against a really good side as well. So it, it just set, it just set the, the tone of the day and Ollie Watkins sort, sort of led that from the front really. Yeah. I think it was clever to go for that front post. Cause I think he had an effort a couple of minutes before, didn't he? Where it was a similar sort of mm. move. He cuts inside and it just goes past that far post. So I think that's why he catches Jason Steele by surprise. But I just think it's never in doubt. Is it when we play Bryson? I mean, our record is so good against us. I think just Emery has that one up over uh, De Zerbi, doesn't he? And I just think Brighton are a fantastic side and De Zerbi is, is an excellent manager. They just can't grasp it against Villa and it's bizarre, isn't it? Because they can blow teams away, Bryson. I mentioned it earlier about them going to Old Trafford and absolutely blit, like blitzing Manchester United and for them to just come to Villa Park. And it was one of them games where we see it once in a while. And I, I said it in the video that that first half against Brighton reminded me of the, the 3-0 against Newcastle at Villa Park, where I think in that Newcastle game, we missed a couple of chances. I think that was the difference. We just looked absolutely unplayable, so dangerous going forward. I just think the difference was we were taking our chances on Saturday. And uh, 3-0, again, we, we'll talk about that. Luis sort of makes a, a tackle with his head, which is a little bit bizarre. I think Solly March was appealing for a foul, wasn't he? That's what Brighton was talking about after the game, uh, after the goal, sorry. But Dean and Watkins uh, make a nice one too. Diaby probably should do better. He has a couple of chances, actually. Uh, but it's a slightly lucky own goal, and it's, again... It's just Villa's day, isn't it? I mean, him tripping over the ball, Leicester opinion, and it going in the goal to make it three 0 It's just Villa's day, isn't it? Yeah, it was. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't brilliant defending in, in the run up to that goal, really, no. from Brighton's perspective. Um, for Villa to find the space they did again in the box would have been worrying for for for, for, for the Brighton manager. Um, but yeah, as you say, the ball comes to DRB, gets that shot away. Probably should have scored from that one, but uh, but yeah, and then like the. The luck was shining down on Villa essentially because it wasn't wasn't a great strike. He scuffed it, didn't he? And then it took a mm. it took a wild deflection into the net. But it's what it was one of those halves, weren't it? Where you think you know if um, if 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 the luck's on our side, we, you know it, it all goes sort of right. And that's what happened, really, wasn't it? The the, the luck was on our side as well as playing well. I, I like to think that you make your own luck though, and I think how Villa played in that first half, how relentless they were, sort of forced Brighton into those errors though, and so. And that's and, and that's what it was, and you know, for us to be free to up over them after only twenty odd minutes, it was just the stuff of, it was the stuff of dreams, essentially, wasn't it? I mean, against the against a really really top side, and that, and that's the thing. I think you know, if you if you've done it against a Southampton or you know a Norwich or something like that, like we have in the past previously, you think, well, you know, mm-hmm. fair enough, we're, we're a better side, but come up against a, a side that has been so lauded like that in the press as well. I mean, everyone loves Brighton, don't yeah. they? They seem like they're, like they're everyone's sort of second club. Uh, because because of how how good they are, how well they play football, and and where they've come from, and so 
yeah, for us to be sort of not really spoken about a lot, really, I suppose, in the build-up. Um, for us to be freeing up after 20-odd minutes, it was just mad, wasn't it? Yeah, huge, huge statement of intent. And we, everybody, all the Villa fans absolutely love the 2023 sort of Premier League calendar, don't they? Uh, the points total, don't they, from 2023? I think we're above Brighton in that, mm. aren't we? By, by quite a, well, a fair few points now after beating them on Saturday. And you're right, though, the, the media's like star boys are Brighton. And deservedly so. They deserve an awful lot of credit. But I just think... I mean, I, I genuinely couldn't care less, but I love Villa being under the radar. I really, really like it. And it's such, I said it, it's such a massive, massive statement to beat. Like you said, we're not beating a crap side here, a Leeds, a Southampton, which we've done previously. This is Bryson, everybody's second side. So it's absolutely brilliant. And I think Diaby was, was quite quiet, wasn't he, during the game? I mean, it says a lot when a player is still having impacts on goals, getting assists when he's had a quiet afternoon. What did you make of Zaniolo then? Because he was he played against Everton, didn't he? He came on early against Everton because of uh, Bailey injury and it was a little bit frustrating against Everton I mean look everybody had a, an off day against Everton but I, I wanted to, to see a little bit of an improvement from Zaniolo I think he, I wanted to see him have a better game I think he sort of has that tendency to do a little bit too much look he's still finding his feet of course I think once he gets that first goal as well that's going to be massive for him he does have that tendency to do a little bit too much run into a, a player when he probably should have passed the ball off look I think again it was a positive uh, performance from him it was encouraging I just think we could see a little bit more from him. Maybe that's harsh. Look, we've won six one. I'm not digging him out or anything. Just think it's a talking point. Yeah, do you know what? I think I think he's contributed, and I think that's the main thing. I think um, I think he was a fairly key player in the side yesterday, though, as well. I mean, he was tracking back absolutely brilliantly, which kind of allowed um, mm. the fullbacks to bomb on with Cashandino. Um, Zaniola was really really good defensively, and then I think he, I think I mentioned it earlier, but his big sort of frame is you know he's tall and he's he can hold the ball up, and I think that gave an, an added route to be more direct from 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 Emmy Martinez's kicks and so I think look I think he's um, potentially trying a little bit too hard at the moment I think he probably needs an assist or a goal j- just to sort of set all those sort of nerves and those doubts yeah it is understandable it's understandable he wants to make an impression absolutely fair enough I get it of course he does and it was a big move for him you know he's come from the Turkish league Galatasaray to to a side that finished in the top seven of the top seven of the Premier League last season so Mm. it's a big move for him an absolute dream move and he's probably at the moment he might be overthinking it slightly but I I like him you know I I like what he brings I I think I said the other week that he offers something totally different to what we've already got you know what I'm always surprised by how fast he is as well I mean there was a a counter-attack when Diaby, Watkins and him were all running and he was keeping up pace with Watkins and Diaby and for such a big lad you don't expect it do you and so I think he'll only get better if I'm being honest I think he will only get better um, I just think he's a really really good person to have a, to have around the squad and I think his versatility helps as well he can play in the middle he can mm. play on the right or the left and um, I think having that I mean I, I, that's another thing to consider as well like he openly he openly says that he prefers to play on the right hand side that's where he was playing for Italy um, a, a couple of weeks ago in the international break that's where he's, he'd been playing for Galatasaray um, but he's coming at Villa and Emery's been utilising mostly in that left left sided role and that's be mainly down to Jacob Ramsey's injuries, I suppose, at the moment. But so he's not playing in his favourite position either. But I think he's made a positive start to, to life at Villa Adu, and I think there is a lot more to come from him in the tank. But I mean, at the moment, I think he's making a positive impression, and he's definitely helping the team out. Yeah, I really like him, and you're right. It is the off the ball stuff. I think Emery said after the game that playing Brighton, you have to work hard. Yeah, he, he really wanted his players to do a lot of running, both going forwards and back. I think you watch Zaniolo; he's not someone who's a little bit lazy or throws his arms around. He's 
absolutely more than prepared to to get back and help out Luca Dean, absolutely, which I think is a really, really good trait to have. Going into halftime, then 3 0 up, we're absolutely buzzing. I think you could tell that uh, Deserby wasn't best pleased by making a triple change at halftime. You don't really tend to see that. Uh, Ferguson, Welbeck, and uh, Esther Pinyan both uh, all go off at halftime, sorry. Uh, so, yeah, triple change, you don't really see that. Jao Pedro coming on, uh, Lamptey, who are a couple of dangerous players, and they and Fatty as well. And they all get uh, involved in that in the early stages of the second half, don't they, with the goal. Five minutes in, we are sort of we do have that sort of tendency to concede early goals, whether that's from the start or after half time. So it was a little bit frustrating, wasn't it? And it was a bit of a, a slack goal. I think we weren't quite awake. I think people weren't quite switched on at the back, and, and Fatty tucks it in at the back post. So a little bit of a question about offside, but it's not. McGinn's off the pitch. Martinez is acting as that second defender back. So it was annoying, wasn't it? Five minutes in, and you never know with Brighton as well because we know they concede goals, but. They've got the talent going forward. So even at 3-1, you know what momentum's like in football, especially for me, knowing what Villa are like. There was a little bit of, of doubt in my mind there. Yeah, definitely. It, was, it wasn't an ideal time to concede, obviously, straight after straight after the break. But I think I think you have to just realise that, you know, that, that it was going to come at some time that they were going to, you know, ramp the pressure up a little bit. We're not, we were never going to go 90 minutes just absolutely dominating and then not create any chances. I don't think that happens in any Premier League game, to be honest. And so... You kind of expected it. I think it was a little bit lucky, to be honest, how it ended up in the back of the net. It sort of bobbled around in the box, didn't it? And no one could quite get that foot on it to clear it. I think it was a little bit lucky, if I'm being honest. And uh, and obviously, yeah, Villa had to weather the storm after that, really. It was a bit of a dangerous sort of 10 minutes after that period because if Villa had conceded another one, it was really sort of game on and Brighton had got the wind in the sails. But um, I think Villa's next goal put paid to that really absolutely killed the game didn't it and that fourth goal probably came at the absolutely ideal time yeah even at 3-1 up you're thinking next goal is absolutely massive Jacob Ramsey comes on at 3-1 which I think was really really nice to see he probably came on a little bit earlier than I was expecting obviously wasn't like I said earlier wasn't involved against Everton uh, wasn't even on the bench so I was thinking maybe there was a little bit of a setback there but coming on on the 57th minute was really really nice to see Uh, and of course Villa make it 4-1 Watkins winning it on the halfway line uh, plays off to John McGinn, Diaby creating a bit of space for Watkins. It's a great ball over the top, isn't it, from McGinn? Sort of clips over to Watkins, who cuts inside on that left foot. Maybe a little bit fortunate that it comes off Webster and sort of flies in. But like you said earlier, create your own luck, don't you? And it's a brilliant move. McGinn assists, Watkins gets his hat trick, and Southgate was there to watch it. Did you notice it on the big screen? Literally, as soon as the players start celebrating, uh, Villa popped Southgate's uh, miserable face on the screen. So that was an absolute joy to see. It was brilliant, wasn't it? For him to get his hat trick, 4 1. Absolutely game over. It was great. Yeah, I, I did notice it. Um, it made me laugh because everyone just everyone just started booing, didn't they, around Villa Park? Everyone, it was yeah. like, it was like, well, <laughs> like people were looking, thinking, what, what to rub booing for? But it was obviously Southgate up on the screen, and it did make me laugh. He looked miserable. I, I was thinking, oh, I bet he he's, did? I bet he's, he really I, looked angry. Yeah, I bet he's wondering, like, how can I get out of this one now? How can I get out of picking what? What, is, <laughs> what excuse can I possibly use? Um, obviously, we've been selecting his English squad uh, later this week. Um, yeah. you look at it, you think, surely he's got to be in the squad. It'd be absolutely ridiculous if he's not. I mean, what more What more does he possibly have to do? And I think that's the same with with, with, with a couple of us, especially like Ezri Konza as well. You look at him and how good he's been recently. Um, and, and again, I just think Safegate, 
surely he's watching that and thinking, I've got to, I've got to pick these players. I mean, look, he I'm loves not- Lewis Dunk, doesn't he? Absolutely loves Lewis Dunk. And even just looking at that game on Saturday, Conzo or Dunk, if you've watched Conzo over the last sort of what nine months, he's been exceptional, mate. He has to at some point be in that side. You look at the players who are above him in that centre back bit: Maguire, Gahey, Lewis Dunk. Come on, it's it's silly now. Yeah, but I was going to say though, like Lewis, I don't think Lewis. It's not. A, I don't think it's a competition between Lewis Dunk and Conzo though. Like for me, both of them should be in the squad. I don't. It's not. It's not. It's not about Lewis Dunk for me. It's about the likes of what Harry Maguire still being in there, who 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 doesn't play. I, it's you know mm. absolutely ridiculous. Um, I'd be surprised with Conza though. Like I was saying, like I'm surprised he hasn't been in a squad already. Really, I mean, because Southgate loves that sort of pathway from you know under twenty to under twenty one level, and yeah, then yeah. up into the up into the, the England senior squad. And well, that's what Conza's done. Like he's you know he's been involved in those under twenty and under under twenty one squads uh, previously. And for such a young player, he's played a lot of games as well. If you have a look, yes, played a lot of games for Charlton and Brentford before he's come to Villa, and so. I mean, if you look at it, he's played more senior games than Tyrone Mings has, and yet he's so much younger, which is absolutely mm. bizarre, really. So, yeah, I think Conza, I think Conza should be in it as well as Watkins, if I'm being honest. But yeah, I mean, back to the goal. Um, as you say, make make your own look, and you know, it was just sheer hard work again, wasn't it? Winning the ball back on the halfway line, and and then John McGinn just does what he does best, you know, driving at defenses, mm. and then just an absolute brilliant pass. And I think I think that's the one thing with John McGinn. I think his passing's got better as well as time's gone on. Um, and he's able to get you know uh, get these pinpoint passes out now and fi- find its way to Watkins, who I thought he was going to take it first time, actually, which would have been fairly ambitious. Yes, I was thinking that. Yeah, yeah on the volley. Yeah, <laughs> I did. It would have been probably fairly ambitious, but uh, he probably would have sailed into the whole ten. So probably a good job he didn't. But yeah, look... It's, Took a shot and it, it was a stroke of luck, stroke of fortune, really, and it deflected into the net. But as we say, you make your own look, don't you? And I think if a strike is working that hard to win the ball back on halfway, um, you know, and then he gets up the other end of the pitch and finishes off the chance, then it probably the, the hard work probably deserves a goal, doesn't it? And uh, mm. yeah, it felt like everything was going right for Villa at that point, and uh, the fourth goal really was uh, was a was a massive point of the game. It's just the pace that we move forward. Like, it's so refreshing. The, the amount of Villa sides that I've watched where we get the ball and we just look absolutely clueless going forward and we just make a, a lack pass or it's just the final ball that's off. But I don't know, this Villa side, when we go forward, we said it in pre-season, didn't we, that we, we're never going to fear about not scoring goals. I mean, famous last words, but you just don't ever fancy Villa not to get on the score sheet with the talent we've got for going forward and the way that we look so sort of in sync and sort of everyone's on the same page it's just just so good to watch Villa going forward so again another absolutely fantastic goal and completing Watkins hat trick his second hat trick of the season um first Villa player to get a couple of hat tricks in a season since Andy Gray in the 70s so absolutely happy days and again we get a fifth one um pretty soon after don't we Jacob Ramsey it's great to get it's great to see him get a goal isn't it that's that's exactly what the doctor ordered cutting inside and it's so effortless that goal is so effortless from Jacob Ramsey that little jink opens it up bends it around the defender comes off the post it's a perfect perfect goal isn't it 5-1 we're in dreamland yeah no exactly it was great to see JJ back and um, he's such a massive part of what what Villa are under Emery really and um, I think we've really missed him and him him and Alex Moreno really down that left hand side mm. working together uh, I think Jacob Ramsey just offers you that something different he, he can collect the ball from deep and really sort of drive you up the pitch Carney and his dribbling skills are really good he gets into the right positions to score goals and create goals as well and so we've really missed him so it was really good to see him back back on the pitch quite early in the second half, really. And and yeah, that goal was um, was was great. I mean, again, you question the defending. Brighton was sort of backing off, but 
I think the reason why they were backing off was because Luca Dean was making that run, and I think yes. they expected Ramsey to play it into Luca Dean at that point, which obviously he then he then realised it had opened up for him. And but it was a cracking strike, and it was one of those goals that just looks good, doesn't it? It looks and sounds good. You hear it rattle off the post and, yeah. and go into the net, and yeah, it was it was a, it was a lovely finish. But I think I think what you just said a minute ago though about about Villa sort of uh, fret though going forward, and I think it runs throughout the whole team. I think this Villa team is is really cohesive and really really likable as a supporter it's a really it's a really nice team to get behind isn't it all all these players they seem mm. to be very well grounded players but after that it's the, it's the individual quality of them all though and you even look at the likes of like our fullbacks who have been you know getting on score sheets this season and making assists and it runs throughout the team i think we've got goal threats throughout the team like douglas louise with you know the Fifth consecutive game he scored. Um, yeah, he's yeah. only the second Aston Villa player to do that in in in, in home matches. I mean, um, and then you know, like Watkins, Diaby, Zaniolo, Bailey when he's fit, JJ McGinn, uh, like I say, Douglas Louise, even the fullbacks. I, I just think we've got goals running through the team, um, and I don't think you'll ever be you'll ever you don't, I don't think you'll ever be afraid that you're not going to score enough under Emery. Mm. I think we've got that all over the field, and I think that's what's nice about about this Villa side is that Emery's. Emery's made it look. Emery's made it look simple. He's made it look cohesive. Really, I, I mean, you look back at the times not that long ago when we were talking about can you play Buendia and Coutinho in the same team, or can you play Danny Ings and Ollie Watkins in the same team together? And we used to have these debates constantly, didn't we, all the time? And we were struggling. I remember at a time when we were struggling to get Kamara and Louise into the team together in a, yeah. in, a, in, a in a in a real formation. Emery's just made that look so simple, hasn't he? He's come in, and there's no debate anymore about about. Can you play this player with this player? Like just clicks, just works. Emery's just made it so clear and simple. And yeah, I just, I just think this Villa team's got so much individual quality about it, um, and that's what's coming to play. I think they play very well as a team together. This first eleven, or sorry, the first sort of maybe 13, 14 players of the squad, they know each other inside out now. And even the likes of like DRB, it's like he's come in. And he doesn't even look like a new signing. It looks like he's been part of the furniture for years and years. Like how he's linking up with the likes of Watkins and when he's fit, Bailey and McGee. And I, I, I just think Diaby's like added something really, really different. But yeah, I just, I just think the whole team. I think going forward, that they offer us so much, and you feel like it feels like you're going to score every time you come forward, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And we like, like I said earlier, pre-season, we always thought Villa were going to score goals this season, and that was when Jacob Ramsey was out. And I'm so, so excited to see him back. It's like, I mean, it's a classic cliche. It's like a new signing, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant to see him back, and it's some competition for Zaniola as well on that left-hand side. Obviously, he's got the shirt at the moment, but when JJ, when JJ gets a little bit fitter as well, he's got to get in there and again. That's even more exciting. So that's good to see. Um, this is a stat that I saw after the game that was made me think a little bit. Only Jack Grealish, uh, he's got 27 has created bit more big chances for Aston Villa in the Premier League than John McGinn 24 since records began in 2010/11 so John McGinn as well probably should have had another assist shouldn't he for the sixth uh, Watkins probably should have had four as well it's a decent save by Jason Steele but uh, then Douglas Louise gets his f- uh, fifth goal in five games at home slots it in I mean that goal sort of epitomized the day didn't it sort of just effortlessly just slotted it in made it look easy 6-1 and at that point you're in absolute dreamland it's crazy isn't it 6-1 against Brighton 97th minute game done happy days yeah and that's it what you just said about John McGee and he's really he's really stepped up hasn't he he's stepped up into that lead that we all wanted him to be and I mean the whole game yesterday on that pitch he was bellowing orders and he was organising people about and 
I think he's really stepped up into that leader. And but his quality's improved as well under Emery. His quality's really there now, and um, you know, creating chances all the time. And that ball into Watkins again. Watkins probably should have scored. Um, Douglas Louise, Mister Reliable, Mister Dependable these days, isn't he? Just he's just there. He's just so Rolls Royce, isn't he, Douglas Louise? Like he makes everything look so easy. And I, he's he's. I just think he's a joke, Douglas Louise. I think he's such a good footballer. And you know, it took a it took a little while for him to get going, didn't it, at Villa? And I think. You know, he wasn't in the team for periods, and then he wasn't in the team weirdly at the start of last season under Gerard, which was absolutely bizarre when you look at it. <laughs> as well as Watkins, by the way, wasn't in the team. As well as Mental. Watkins, but yeah, I, I look at Douglas Louise, and he's just like I say, he's such a Rolls Royce of a footballer, and he's one of these players that outside of outside of the the four walls of Villa Park, he doesn't get a lot of he doesn't get a lot of notice like given to him by no. by by anybody else in the league. And I suppose that I suppose that's good for us. He, he goes about his business really unnoticed, but. He again, he's another real vital cog in that Villa team. Um, and without him, like you know, we 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 definitely wouldn't be where we are. And you know, it's 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 smashing records all over the place. Like Douglas Louise with his with his fifth consecutive home goal. He's the first one since Dwight York to do that. The only the second one. I mean, that's just that's absolutely mental, isn't it? When you think about it, a defence midfielder, someone we bought as number six essentially uh, previously under yeah. under Dean Smith and. Um, but yeah, I just I just think overall with this Villa team, if you look at some of the key players who are stepping up now, like you look at uh, Ezri Kanza who's stepping up in the absence of Mings with his leadership skills now, and that's growing and growing all the time. And then John McGinn who's just turned into an absolute key key player. Um, you know, we signed him for two million back in the Championship days. And you look at the likes of Watkins, Douglas Louise joining us in the you know in, when we first got when we first got promoted or the season after. Mm. Jacob Ramsey coming through the academy and. I think I feel like we've I feel like we're we're reaping the the rewards now of that sort of faith that we showed in these players. You know, a few years ago, like you look at when we bought um, Ezri Konza in and Douglas Louise and, um, and and players like that, and they needed they needed a lot of time, didn't they? They were really young and uh, they were thrown into that sort of that really high pressurized zone of the Premier League in their first season when we were when when we were struggling, we were trying to stay up in the league and it was a bit of a baptism of fire, but you look at that and you think how well has that set them up now though? Like they they know each other. All the all the all the team just seems so cohesive. They all know each other so well and um and yeah, it's great to see. I just think we've I just think the individual players we've got now, like you run through the villa side and um and yeah, it just looks really strong. And then I was—I think I was just going to mention Perry Torres as well, alongside Konza, because uh, I think earlier on this season we've we've all sort of had our say on Torres, saying you know he's a bit slow and he's he's made a couple of errors. And you know, I think the thing to realise that he was he was thrust into the team when we probably didn't think he was going to be. We didn't expect Mings's mm-hmm. injury to happen. Um, and I looked at Torres yesterday, and he was. He, he was just so comfortable, wasn't he? He just looked—he looked every inch now that player that we signed for for thirty-one million, and um, he looks like he's getting his feet under the table a little bit. And like I say, that partnership with Cons is sort of blossoming. His his leadership skills are are rising and rising. He's taken he's taken on that mantle from from Tyro Mings, which somebody had to do. Um, and yeah, I think I think the the partnership of Cons and Torres all of a sudden looks really really promising and I mean at times yesterday uh, yeah at times yesterday like Torres was sort of attacking midfield at times he was that far forward yeah, he, was, he had yeah. that one when he was like running towards goal like bearing down on goal and he decided to pass rather than shoot but um, he's got that in him hasn't he? he's got that in his locker where he, he can get forward and then we probably know that we'll be alright defending because we got Conza's recovery pace as well and so yeah, I just I just think overall it was it was a really top top day for Villa, and uh, I don't think any of the players performed 
you know, I don't think any of them were below a seven or an eight sort of thing. Um, and I think when that happens, then you know it's going to be you know it's going to be a good day, and Villa are going to run out you know strong winners, which is exactly what happened. Yeah, I think Torres absolutely deserves a shout out. I mean, you could see um, there was elements of it last week at Stamford Bridge where him and Conza were very very good. Um, you could see it was always going to take time, but again, yesterday he was very good. Um, even back to Douglas Louise, like when he first came in, it, it was always the conversation of how do you get the best out of Douglas Louise? We can all see that this very young player coming from the league has got talent. It was always how do you get the best out of him and we really didn't do that playing him on his own as a number six in like you said a baptism of fire in a pretty poor side in the Premier League didn't really speak the language but now he's, he's we've been patient with him and testament to him as well his hard work and he, he's absolutely flourishing isn't he and there's just quality all over the park you can tell there's absolute quality with Villa now it's, it's, it's a joy to watch and it was another Unai Emery masterclass wasn't it like I said earlier De Zerbi just cannot handle Unai Emery like I said Emery's not afraid to go direct when he needs to be he can change it up getting men forward, pressing high. You mentioned the two strikers and forcing errors. It's just brilliant to see, isn't it? And that's 10 home wins on the spin in the Premier League. 10 home wins. That's absolutely bonkers. Imagine saying that like when in the relegation season or in the championship. In a couple of years, you'll, you'll make Villa Park a fortress. It's absolutely brilliant, isn't it? And any team that comes now to our place, it's going to be a little bit worried, aren't they? Yeah, 100%. I mean, Villa, Villa struggled for years to, to, to be strong at home. Um, yeah, something just clicked starting from that Palace game last season. And um, yeah, to 10 on the bounce is absolutely absolutely incredible what a run it's been and yeah I, I'm running out of I'm running out of things to say about Unai Emery in terms of how <laughs> to explain how good he is I, I just think he's an absolute master tactician um, every every week he, he, fe- he feels like he comes up with a totally different plan to, to sort of beat the opposition and like I say keeps us guessing it keeps opposition managers guessing and I think he keeps the players guessing as well like hearing John McGinn talking after the game he seems surprised with the tactical setup. Um against Brighton yesterday um and it was brave really it was brave I mean the amount of players we were we were uh, we were throwing forward but I think he knew he knew that once again like we once we had the ball we had to go for the jugular because you know it might be a little while until we get the ball again after that and um it was just a it was a perfect tactical masterclass and you can't always you can't always play a side off the park with with short passing you have to I think it's a sign of a good team to be able to mix it up I mean, unless you're like a Man City who can who can who can you know keep exactly the same style every week and usually get you know the, the same outcome. And that's purely down to that they've got the best players in the league running throughout the whole team. Teams like us, we have to be a little bit more clever. We have to be a little bit more methodical, and it, and it just makes me laugh. These people in the media who they talk about Emery, and I, I saw I've seen things recently talking about how. He's a negative manager, and or oh, how he fits the size of Aston Villa, but he would never fit a bigger club. And obviously, I don't want him to go to a bigger club, but I just I, I look at these, I look at these opinions, and I just think you're talking absolute rubbish. You are talking absolute rubbish. Like the bloke is an absolute genius, and sometimes yeah, you do stumble upon a job where it, it, it's the ideal one for you. And Emery feels like a very very good fit at the moment for Aston Villa. But yeah, you just I, I struggle, I do struggle to to find many more words to describe him because he's that. He's just that good. He he's, he can just change. He can just change. Get uh, change tactics within a game multiple times. He can come up with a totally different formation for your next game, and you can run out like I say six one winners. And you think, where's that come from? And yeah, he's just. Um, I, I just think he's, he's he's absolutely incredible, and we're just so lucky to have him. Yeah, absolutely. The bloke's a genius and it's just a joy going to watch Villa now because you know when you turn up, you're going to see something very special most weeks anyway, which brings us on to uh, talking about Everton. I just want to touch on it briefly, get your thoughts on us going out the League Cup very, very briefly. won't linger on it. 
I was very annoyed after the Everton game a little bit. I think what made it even worse as well was seeing the draw after the game, the likes of Manchester United getting Newcastle, West Ham getting Arsenal, obviously Newcastle knocking Man City out of the cup as well. So the League Cup is something that obviously Villa pride themselves upon. It's the last trophy that we won both in 94 and 96. And again, it's another year of us going out early in that competition. So I was frustrated on Wednesday. I was, I think you went on Twitter after that game and you could see that there was a, a vast range of opinions from people who were thinking the League Cup was just a glorified friendly to people. So I was at the other end of the spectrum who I'd quite like to take it quite seriously. I said to you during the game, like, the League Cup concludes before even the knockouts of the Conference League, so you can't really use that as, as an argument. So I was, I was frustrated on, on Wednesday night. I don't think, I mean, I know Everton went strong, but I think even that side that we put out was probably good enough to, to beat Everton. Absolutely. We still definitely had some big hitters in there. So I was annoyed. I was annoyed because, again, it's it's another opportunity of a trophy going down the toilet. So it was annoying. It was annoying. I know it's, it's great to get back on track with a, a brilliant win against Brighton. But, yeah, Wednesday was frustrating. Yeah, it was. And, I, and you know, what? I was disappointed as well. I was I was the same mindset as you that, we you know, we, we really want to win a trophy. And this was a really good opportunity for us, especially with the teams already out and, and obviously the draw after it as well. Um, I thought it was a really good opportunity. But... I kind of have sympathy for the manager as well with it, though. We've had a, we've had a lot of games recently, and I mm. think when you look at when you look at the, the the depth of Villa squad, I think when you look at Wednesday night, you take you know obviously with our long term injuries, Mings, Brendia, Alex Moreno, obviously Jacob Ramsey wasn't available, losing Bailey early on. I think that makes it really tough because obviously our strength in depth isn't what it would be if those players were available, and I think. And I think really the plans from the summer were sort of thrown into disarray really a couple of days before the season with the Buendia injury and then followed by Mings because imagine our strength and depth if we had got a Buendia and a Mings around around yeah. around the side as well as Ramsey, Moreno and Bale, etc. And even Diego Carlos who, 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 who's been missing for a few weeks as well. And so I did, I, I did have sympathy for him. I think I've said it before, when you throw a team together who have hardly played together before, um, which is what a lot of them are. I mean, Dendonk has hardly had any football. He didn't play a minute in pre-season. Even the same with John Duran, even though he started the season well, he didn't play a minute in pre-season. Um, obviously, Tielemann's been in and, in and out a little bit. I mean, we're playing John McGinn at left-back. You know, I think, I think you know, it, it sort of, it, it showed that these players hadn't, hadn't you know built up a rhythm and played together before and I spoke about this a long time ago when when we lost the Stevenage last year in the um in the FA Cup sorry early very early in this year um and I said then I think if you if you it doesn't matter who you come up against if you're a team that you know the players aren't used to each other you can sometimes you can sometimes make it more difficult for yourself um and I think Wednesday night was one of them nights and so I was disappointed and I'll always be disappointed when Villa lose, especially going out of a cup competition, which I think we can do well in. But look, it's happened now and it's happened with plenty of other Villa managers before and it hasn't defined them sort of thing. And let's hope it, it won't define this one. I don't think it will. Obviously, we've recovered really well in the Premier League. We've still got mm. Europe, which it makes Thursday fairly important against uh, against Rinsky. Um So we've still got things to play for. So while I was disappointed... You know, I think the morning after you kind of reflect and you think, well, you know, it's um, it's 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 one of them. It is disappointing, but I can see potential reasons for it. Yeah, it's good that we've got that bounce back ability and reacting at the weekend to get a big win back in the league. Another off field talking point that I just want to get your thoughts on is the uh, lower grounds, which is what the uh, Holt Suite has turned into. Just before the game on Saturday, I was stood in my seat uh, about 10-15 minutes before the game, and I could see there was a section of the upper Doug Ellis stand, uh, the whole end side, and the upper tier. 
that was empty. There was a big block of empty seats. So I was a little bit confused about what that was. And then I saw somebody else's tweet. I don't know whether it was, it wasn't yours, was it? It was somebody else's tweet about a big empty block in the opportunity as well. And then it comes out that that's, that's the sort of, uh, sections that have been left aside for the lower ground seats. I just think that's an absolute joke, right? I think that's an absolute mess. We've seen it um, with the terrace view seats in the upper halt where there's big blocks of the upper halt that are completely unsold and empty. But to see that on Saturday when Villa always loves to talk about the amount of people on the season ticket waiting list, to see a massive empty block of seats at Villa Park, I think that's a disgrace, to be honest. Yeah, you know what? I think it's a shame. I think it's a shame when we got supposedly 30,000 people on a waiting list and I think a lot of them would probably jump at the chance of buying a normal ticket for the game but they can't because it's been restricted for the lower grounds or the terrace view whichever it is I do I do find that frustrating um don't think there's so many I don't think there's so many places for the lower grounds on on Saturday I mean I saw some of the pictures of the inside and it looks just like a, what did you make of it looks like a glorified canteen <laughs> to me to be honest yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was just benches and a couple of screens, wasn't it? I mean, it looked very sort of like it just been made up, which obviously it has. But I mean, on the, on the face of it, right, sixty quid for like a, a one off, whether it's your birthday or whatever, for a, a couple of free drinks and a buffet, whatever. It's not too bad, but just look, it's just a shame, isn't it? Like you said, it just looks like a canteen, a couple of benches, it looks a bit crap. I don't think there was anything wrong with the whole suite before. To be honest with you, I thought it looked no, better before. Not. To be honest, uh, it just just didn't make money. <laughs> no, well, yeah, but you know what you say that though. But I, I, I think if the it would have been the normal Holt suite yesterday, Villa would have made more money than what they did make because like how many they used to get on a, on a on a normal match day when it was three pounds to get in for people into the Holt suite uh, as it was over the last 20, 30 years or so. Um, you know, they used to charge three pounds to get in, and they used to used to be able to get a good five, six hundred people in there. You know, all people buying yeah. drinks uh, constantly. I bet you, uh, how many people did they have in there yesterday? Probably what, 150, 200 or something. It didn't look very many on the pictures. And so, if you added it up, I can guarantee you, Villa would have made more money yesterday, opening up to normal fans at three pound a pop. In you go, and then selling pints for five, six, six, six quid a pop, like, like they usually do. Look, I know Villa would say, well, it's very early days. It was the first game. It was a bit of a bit of a test, that sort of thing. Um, but I guarantee you, the Villa would have lost money yesterday compared to what they what they would have done if they'd have just opened up the whole suite normally. So it's it's a bit weird. It's a bit weird, and I think I think it's well documented what, what I think about it. I, I don't I don't think they've really fought it through. I think in London with Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, even West Ham, I think this would be ideal. I think everyone would jump at the chance of it. I just think it's different in Birmingham. I really do. I think you're a it's a working class city. I don't think people. I don't know if people will throw 60 quid on top of your season ticket or 120 quid if you haven't already got a ticket for the game to it, if I'm being honest. Like, I, I can't see that they will. I mean, I can look, I can only, maybe I can only speak for myself and and I can categorically tell you that I, I, I won't be doing it. Um, it's just not, I don't, I don't think it's value for money. Okay, you could say that you get all this free food and drink, but how much free food and drink can, can, can you have in two, two and a half hours? Like, <laughs> there's, only, there's only so much you can have. I just, I, I don't know. I, I just, I don't, I don't see, I don't see it working, um, and I just, I just think it's a shame when you see blocks of empty seats in the stadium. Maybe that'll get better. Maybe I'm wrong, and maybe the uptake of it will be, will be better in the future. But seeing big blocks of empty seats like that, it's, it's just not a good look, is it? But look, the club have decided to do it. Um, the club are hell bent on, on, on generating more revenue, and one of the avenues of that is through hospitality. So, what can we do? We can't, we can't do much about it, really, can we? Yeah, I mean, these are, these are just our opinions. I think I, I strongly dislike it as well. Um, 
it, it just it just kind of stinks a little bit. I think it's the fact that, I, like I said, I don't have anything against the people who go in there or anything at all or people who decide to do it, whatever. It's just the fact that people have bought these, putting the prices up on season tickets, fair enough, we've talked about that to death. But that was with the promise of having something like the Holt Suite for free or whatever it was, a couple of quid to get in, whatever it is. And now that's gone and they've changed it into that. Again, it, it, it stinks a little bit. And we were... Uh, we know a couple of people who saw Chris Heck in, in the car park, didn't we, before the Brighton game? And he invited them in. Was it was it for free in the end? They got yeah. in for free just because he wanted them to to experience it. So, yeah, we know a couple of uh, separate parties who got in there for free um, for the Brighton game, which I think w- was really interesting. Obviously, they uh, gave Chris Heck their thoughts on the whole thing. But, again, I just think the whole thing stinks a little bit. They were speaking to Chris Heck and he was saying the terrace view wasn't his, his, his thing. And, yeah, we know that was Perslow's thing. But... I don't know. It, the whole thing sort of off the field at the moment stinks a little bit, but that's that's the way we're going. Like you said, hospitality is the, the best route to go if the club want to make revenue, isn't it? Well, it's look, it's the modern it's the modern day thing in football, isn't it? It's to squeeze every penny out of the supporter and uh, that that sounds quite sad to say that, but it's just the reality of it. Like the reality of it is, you know, we all love a villa and we all think that our support is massively important, but the reality, the reality of it is to the club. Yeah, we, we're important as a whole, I suppose. All the fans as a whole are, but you individually, you're not. You know, you us individually are, are just a number to, to the club. If we're yeah. not there, somebody else will be there, kind of thing. And that's and that's, yeah. and that's how the club view it. And whether that's right or wrong, who 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 knows? But yeah, it's. I, I think we. I think the vast majority of fans have the same similar opinions that this feels a bit uncomfortable. It feels uncomfortable that you know we're paying a premium now for our season tickets. Like just for an example, mine's gone up two hundred pounds this season because of the price zone changes. Um, and yet, I think the service, there's the service within the stadium, within the concourse, is probably worse than it was last season, the season before. And mm-hmm. like a little, like a little story, I, I got into the North Stand yesterday, and again there, there was problems before. And I, I, so I, I got there, I got to Villa Park quite early yesterday, and um, I, I, I went. In, I tried to get into the, I tried to go into my seat to brand about I think it was about an hour and ten minutes before the game yesterday, um, and the and the turnstiles weren't even open. I mean, the turnstiles are supposed to open like an hour and an hour and a half at least before the game. Because mm. again, if you're a fan now without wanting to buy hospitality, where are you supposed to go? Because you know you can't you can't go to the whole suite. Um, you've got the outdoor zone round by the Trinity, and I was there for a little bit, but then it started to rain, so I wanted to go inside. Um, and it was only just it was just over an hour before the game started. You couldn't go in, and then we we did get let in, and then something was going on in the north stand, like something was on fire or something was burning or something. Because what? yeah, there was like a horrible <laughs> smell in the north stand. It was like a burning smell. Oh my god! Um, and the stewards were kind of telling people they couldn't go down one end of the north stand upper. Um, <laughs> and doesn't that just sum it up? Like paying two hundred quid extra this season. And I wasn't allowed to get into the ground as early as I, as I wanted to. And then once you got in, you were ushered away from a lot of the food and drink stands because there's clearly been a fire or there clearly someone had left the sausage rolls in the oven for too long. Was it you? Was it a bit of arson? You that desperate to get a new stand? Did you set on fire? <laughs> no, I can confirm I didn't do that. I didn't. But I saw, <laughs> in fact, though, it probably was them just burning the sausage rolls. I saw a picture saw a picture on social media. Oh, Did yeah. we have that sausage roll in the, in the Doug Ellis stand? And it was like... It was absolutely like black, wasn't it? It was like burnt to a crisp. So 
I think they must have had the same problem in the North Stand Upper. That's the, to be fair, it's the only food you can get in the North Stand Upper anyway. So the high likelihood is is that it was the sausage rolls being burnt, which which prevented me from being in the stadium as early as I wanted to be yesterday. Mate, going to Villa Park these days is like a comedy sketch. If the place isn't on fire, there's dust on the floor. It's just it's just an absolute mess. And go, just going back to what you said earlier as well about it working in London. That's exactly my thoughts. That's exactly what I said as soon as this whole thing came out. Mm. If all of this hospitality was in London, I. I think it's a completely different demographic and a different group of people with higher wages in the city. Obviously, it's going to work a little bit better. But just think, I just sort of question, do these people who come in at the top of the, uh, the top of Villa, do they understand Birmingham? Do they understand the people of Birmingham? Do they understand the Villa fans and how it would work in this city? I don't, I don't know. And I just think time will tell. I mean, the early signs are that it hasn't worked. I mean, I know the lower ground is still early. That was the first time it was an operation, but I don't know. It just doesn't quite work. And, yeah, and I think, um, I think what you just said there. I think you know you have people come in and sometimes they they don't quite understand the fabric of the football club and you're not saying that they they have to be the experts in it they're obviously you know chris hex obviously not going to be he's come from you know he comes from america he's not going to be a specialist on aston villa the one thing i would say a little bit of positive news um i saw it, the, the club didn't announce it but i saw it reported in uh, i think it was the telegraph the other day that Villa made another couple of uh, staffing appointments and i think one of them was another um fitness guy or analysis that you know Emery wanted a spanish guy but um I think it was um, it was the second guy that caught my eye. Actually, there was a, there's a chap that uh, he's been the chief operating officer at Warsaw for a long time. Dan Mole, his name is, um, and he's actually a Villa fan, from what I believe. And Villa have appointed him into some sort of sort of senior sort of club secretary kind of role, like a role that Steve Stride used to do years ago at Villa. Um, and you kind of hope he he's a Villa fan. He's from the West Midlands. He's been at Warsaw for a good twenty odd years or so as chief operating officer. So been on the board, you know, been quite in a higher position. Um, knows his stuff, knows his football, knows the area, knows the fabric of it all. And so you hope that he'll add something a little bit different. Maybe he'll add a bit more of a, a, a fan sort of voice to the to, to the board or the higher or the sort of the, the higher sort of senior roles at the club. So I was I was pleased to see that. I think that hopefully we'll have a bit of a positive change. That's nice. Yeah, I think you need that continuity, don't you? I mean, you've got we've got all these big dog Americans coming in, but it's nice to hear that. Um, just quickly touch on Thursday, their next game against Mostar, which actually in Europe is a huge game now because they won their first game. Obviously, Villa losing their first in Poland. I think you've got to go strong, haven't you? I think after the Wolves game at the weekend, it's an international break, isn't it? So got to go strong mate I don't think there's any room for error in this game really to get the three points and get out of there I think the Villa Park will be absolutely bouncing first proper European game um, I think it'll be good and I'm in uh, row A of the upper north as well which I'm very excited about so I've got the best seats in the house hopefully Villa can turn up and get the three points because I think we need it yeah we do it's a big game very big game um, obviously the, the opening game uh, the, obviously our defeat and then Altmar's defeat to Mustard has blown the group wide open a little bit and it's added a little bit of unwanted pressure onto us. But, um, you know, we obviously we're at home against the Bosnian side on Thursday. I think they're, they're only allocated just over a thousand tickets. So, um, I don't think, I don't think they'll be making an absolute raucous atmosphere kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I think go strong for this one. I think, um, there might probably be a couple of changes, but I'd go strong and then in the hope that you sort of, you know, got a comfortable lead by the 50, 60 minute mark and then you can go and then make them changes then yeah. to try and keep the players a little bit fresher for uh, for the Wolves game on Sunday. Um, we'll see whether DRB and Kamara sort of recover. I know they picked up slight little knocks yesterday, but I don't think they were anything too severe. They they, they look fairly innocuous. I think DRB looked like he, he looked like he's hip, didn't it, with DRB? Um, and then Kamara, he was just he just got a kick on his ankle. I think I think they'll both be okay, but whether they'll start the game, I'm not too sure. But got to go fairly strong, and then I think yeah, see see how the game pans out and try and 
try and take some of those players off on the 50 sort of 60 minute mark and I think that that, that would be my plan I think Emery will probably go with that as well I, I can't see him going too weak and then risking another defeat I think I think he'll yeah. he'll want to make sure that we get those three points on Thursday yeah Mostar aren't complete mugs I mean they were 3-0 down to RZ Alkmaar and 1-4-3 so they've got a little bit about them and I think it's I mean they're coming to Villa Park with absolutely no pressure on them at all I mean all eyes on us aren't they so I think our home atmosphere should be very very good and we'll get over the line and then on to Wolves on Sunday who've just randomly beat Man City they've got a good record against Man City especially at home um, but I think that might work work in our favour a little bit um, I mean our record there is absolutely horrific I've been there a countless number of times and I've always come out of that away and really really disjointed it's just it's, you never like going there I've never seen a score a meaningful goal there I've seen a score a 96th minute consolation with Trezeguet the Watkins penalty when we're 2-0 down in a different uh, different year as well just we, <laughs> the Wolves always love playing Villa at Molyneux and they always turn up so we say it every single year is this the year that we go to the Custard Bowl and actually turn up because if we can't do it now we're never going to do it yeah yeah, and it'll be another tough game you know you kind of hope that Wolves come at us a little bit rather rather than sort of sitting deep and counter-attacking. And that's what they did yesterday against Man City. And you can't blame them. That's exactly what they had to do. You couldn't go toe-to-toe with Man City. And it, was, it was a great win for, for Wolves yesterday. It looked like they played really well. But um, And I think Gary O'Neill's got a good, very good record. He had a good record at Bournemouth about getting results against like the top sort of six sides. And so it'll be a tough game next week. But yeah, I kind of hope that Wolves fancy the chances a little bit more. And I kind of hope Wolves do come at us because... I think that'll help, to be honest. I think that'll help open it up a little bit and um, and allow us to get to get on that front foot because I think when Wolves do sit deep, I think it's tough. They've obviously got Kilman at the back who's decent and Craig Dawson who had a brilliant game yesterday and um yes. and, and, and he's a strong centre half sort of thing. And so yeah, hopefully they come at us and we can and we can, you know, counter attack them kind of thing and and, and and hit them early. That, that that's what you'd hope be. But you're right, not happy hunting Grand for Villa. I think the last time I saw us win there was the was the brace from Robbie Keane under Alex McLeish. Mm. What was that? Eleven years ago or so. So yeah, yeah, not a happy hunting ground for Villa. But um but yeah, fingers crossed we can we can have a good week. Obviously beat Mustafa Thursday and then go into the Wolves game of confidence on Sunday and get a result. Yeah, and then into the in, and then into the international break. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Any final words then, mate? Villa fifth in the league. I think we were third at some point. I think we were third coming out of Villa Park, weren't we? Because obviously we were the early kickoff. So that just looked and, and felt weird. But fifth in the league, uh, seven games played, five wins, fifteen points, three points off the top. It's not too bad, is it? Do you know what? It's been a brilliant start. I think when you look at the teams we've played as well, you know the likes of Liverpool, Newcastle, Chelsea away, and now Brighton at home. Um, I think it's been I think it's been a fairly tough start in terms of fixtures on paper, um, and for us to have five wins out of seven and be where we are, I think he's uh, he's brilliant, especially with the disruption we've had to the team with the injuries. And so, uh, full credit to the to the players; they're absolutely on fire at the moment in the league. And uh, full credit to the manager because he keeps thinking up these new game plans every week, and it's working an absolute treat. And yeah, it's just a, it's just a great time to be a Villa fan, watching Villa riding high in that Premier League table. It's absolutely mad, isn't it? And you feel like we're really going to sort of challenge again this year which uh which which is, is brilliant for all of us so yeah it just feels feels great and uh yeah long mate continue love it hopefully another six point week for villa both in the uh both in europe and the premier league and then we can sort of get a little bit of relaxation in over the international break for the players that aren't going away hopefully moreno can get that little bit closer to coming back because i think once he comes back i think villa will sort of go up a notch so that'll be nice if you have enjoyed the podcast please do subscribe on whatever platform you are listening on and like i said earlier as well please do leave a review as well uh really does help us out go and check out all the recent videos over on villa on tour like i said lots of decent ones to go and watch over there and without further do we'll speak to you after the Wolves game up the villa